What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Thursday, October 29th, year of our Lord, 2020. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Well, look, last night when I recorded the pod, I mentioned briefly that Justin Turner had tested positive for coronavirus. Dodgers went on to win the game and win the World Series, and I, I mentioned it briefly. I knew more would come out about it, but I did expect the story to basically be that he tested positive for COVID, he wasn't allowed onto the field or in the locker room to celebrate with his teammates, and it was going to be kind of a sad thing, but as I was uploading yesterday's pod, or as I was finishing editing it, I realized that the story was going to get a lot bigger because Justin Turner was on the field. He was kissing his wife, he was hugging his teammates, wrapping his arms around him, he was in the team photo, and this became a massive, massive, massive story. Ken Rosenthal reported on this. Ken Rosenthal, usually very reliable, did make a slight mistake but in terms of when the first COVID test actually you know, came out, but the, the story is right now that Justin Turner was tested for COVID. The initial results came back inconclusive. He was tested again. The results came back positive. They found out about it, and I believe it was the seventh inning of Game 6 of the World Series, the game the Dodgers would ultimately go on to win, thus you know, winning the World Series, but he was taken out of the game. Dodgers took all the necessary protocols, and as the Dodgers were celebrating on the field, Justin Turner was told, you, you need to stay in isolation. You need to stay quarantined. You are not allowed to go out and celebrate with your teammates, and I think his exact quote was, F it, I'm going out there anyway, and he did, and we saw him on the field, and look, there are a lot of people who are furious, and have been, this has been a major talking point over the last 36 hours, 48 hours even by the time you're listening to this, it's been a really big deal. I, I want to talk about this and kind of unwrap this, because I-, I find it interesting how everyone's kind of reacted to it. Now, in typical mob mentality, we have so many people who are just so mad at Justin Turner and think he's the worst person in the world. I've seen people have takes like, what Justin Turner did is so much worse than anything the Astros ever did. Stop. Stop it. All right. Let, let's let's really talk about this. And what, what I've been trying to do is trying to put myself in the shoes of every person attached to this situation. And I've come to my own personal conclusion. I'll start off by agreeing with what a lot of people are saying. The optics of the situation, the look, what this turned out to be, Justin Turner on the field with his teammates celebrating mere moments after finding out that he tested positive for COVID-19 is a terrible look. It's irresponsible. It's it's ugly. It's a slap in the face to people like Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox who tested positive for COVID and have developed serious health issues because of it. Very irresponsible, awful. This is something that will haunt Justin Turner for the remainder of his career, not just in baseball, but really even be beyond that. You know, people are going to vilify him going forward. He should have never have done what he did. I will also say that some of the reaction by people is is a little bit ridiculous because I think that there's certain people who aren't understanding of where Justin Turner is coming from here. Just for a little background, Justin Turner uh, came up through the Mets system, and the New York Mets got rid of him. They gave up on him. They didn't believe he would ever amount to anything. Found a home in Los Angeles and has become a key piece of that organization. I believe got there in 2014, meaning he played the last seven years in L.A., been such a huge part of that baseball team. The Dodgers do not have the kind of success that they've had over the last seven 
seven years, if not for Justin Turner. They don't make the World Series in 17 and 18, and they don't win the World Series in 2020 without him. He's been such a key piece of that organization. Has more hits in the postseason than any Dodger ever. I mean, we're talking about one of the most storied franchises in the history of sports. That is an impressive category that he leads in. He's he's been awesome for them. He's one of he's one of my favorite players to watch. Co 2017 NLCS MVP. His record speak from speaks for itself. You know, has had trouble staying healthy at points, but when he's on the field, great hitter, great defender. You know, maybe until the other night, a lot of people would view him as a great teammate as well and a great story. This is a guy who has been a part of some deep runs into the postseason, and he, which means he's also been a part of some big-time failures, coming up short in 17, losing at home to the Astros in Game 7. In 18, you know, they blow those leads uh, late against the Red Sox in Game 4, and they lost that series in five games. Last year, losing at home to the Nationals in the NLDS. And he was on the verge of getting rid of all those narratives of being a world champion for the first time. And he was about to be deprived of that celebratory moment, not because of an injury, but because of a pandemic that has, you know, ripped a, a, a seam in, in the ripped a, a hole in the fabric of reality, seemingly over the last seven, eight months or so. And in that moment, he made an irresponsible decision. And he said, I don't care what the optics are. I don't care what this looks like. I'm going to go celebrate with my teammates. It was a dumb move. It was something he should have never done. At the same time, I try to wonder if I was in that position, if I'd worked for something for that long, if I'd come up short so many times, would my reaction be, I'm, I don't care what's happened. I'm going to go on the field. I'm going to celebrate with my teammates. I think because of the lashing I know I would have taken, I think I probably would have held back. But you know, people got to understand that bad decisions sometimes have understandable motives. And this was a bad decision. It was a dumb decision. But And I'm sure he will come to regret it, especially with the lashing he's t- been taking from the public. But I, I, I can't help but feel... A little bit of understanding in the moment. He should have been smarter. He shouldn't have done it. Yeah, I, I could have even seen him going onto the field saying, "Hey guys, congratulations!" But him being in the team photo, kissing his wife, like the look of that is so ugly, and uh, it's got it's gonna haunt him for a long time. And it should. It was incredibly irresponsible. I also think, because I've tried very hard to put myself in his position here, I think he was probably thinking that, look, we've gone through this whole ordeal, all these protocols, all, you know, everything that we've gone through, all the testing, being in the you know, quote-unquote bubble for the last couple weeks, we did that under the pretense so that we had the goal of making it to the end of the season. Well, guess what? Julio Urias struck out, I believe it was Mike Brosa, with a 97-mile-per-hour fastball, and we got to the end of the season. It was over. He probably felt like, you know what, if I get COVID now, if everyone gets COVID now, so be it. Dumb decision. I'm just, I'm trying to explain his thought process because I think that that's something that we never do here. Like people make dumb decisions and we immediately jump on them for making dumb decisions. I like, I like coming to terms with why, why did someone make the bad choice that they decided to make? Now he's got COVID and because of what he did, a lot of other people are going to get COVID. I will also say transitioning here to a slightly different topic. Look, baseball made it. They made it to the end of the season. It was a weird season. It was a season I hope we never have to go through again, but they made it through the 60-game campaign plus postseason. Because of how quickly the news cycle changes in 2020, a lot of people forget that 
as late as mid-August, we were talking about shutting this whole thing down. The Marlins had a massive COVID outbreak. The Cardinals had a massive COVID outbreak. Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak, you know, went out for a night on the town and put everyone at risk, right? People were freaking out. People were thinking, we are not going to make it to the end of this baseball season. Now, in fairness, even as much as I can't stand this guy, in fairness to the commissioner, in fairness to all of baseball, they clamped down on the protocols. Uh, guys were more responsible. Players and coaches were more responsible. They knew what was at stake. They did the seven-inning doubleheaders. They went through all the necessary steps to make sure that fewer cases arose. I can't be the only one, and this is going to be a very Alex Jones-esque conspiracy here. Well, they're putting chemicals in the water, making sure the players get COVID, but I just go with me here. I can't be the only one who finds it a little bit odd that in a matter of weeks, like two weeks, we went from nearly shutting this whole thing down to not having any positive cases for almost two months. I can't be the only one who finds that a little bit suspicious. Now, I don't have a ton of evidence to support this, and I'm not even saying, you know, spread this rumor. This is a personal theory that I have in my own head. Maybe this is irresponsible of me to even give my opinion on this, but that's kind of what I'm paid to do here on the Lockdown Network is give my opinion. I just, the the cycle of this, the, the series of events going from we're about to shut this thing down to, hey, everything's clean. Yeah, okay, everything's great. We're not, we're not having any positive cases is a little bit odd to me. I have a personal theory, and this is my theory uh, with little evidence, just my Judeo-Christian beliefs. I think we're going to find out years from now that guys were playing with it even in the postseason. I, I just it's so weird to me that we went had a full two months without a single COVID case after several massive outbreaks that were on the verge of tearing the entire season apart. I hope I'm wrong. And personally people are gonna freak out about it and call it irresponsible. I, I don't know where I stand on it. It depends on how prevalent it was. You know, I'm I'm glad we got a baseball season this year. Like, and I know I was as critical of this season as anybody. It should have been a longer season. I think the labor negotiations were a joke. I'm glad we got a chance to watch baseball this year. I said it for months as I, when I was doing the podcast at the very beginning. The irreparable damage that it would have done to the sport not playing baseball this season. Uh, it it would have re- put baseball past the point of no return. It would have officially been a dead sport. They needed to play, and I think because of that. After those initial, you know, breakouts, I think that there were probably, I'm not saying that there were full outbreaks. I just have a personal belief that some guys may have played with it and kept it under wraps. I don't, like I said, I don't know what the process of that was. Uh, maybe there was some shady under under the table deals, who knows. But I can't be the only one who finds that whole process a little bit odd that it went from, oh my God, the sky is falling to, yeah, everybody's good. We made it through the bubble, which by the way, was never really a bubble. I mean, the bubble burst when they decided to let fans in this into the stands. It's not really a bubble. And also this kind of backs up my theory as well. Like how is it that baseball went two months without a COVID test when we've seen the NFL have COVID outbreaks? We've seen other sports have COVID outbreaks and have to deal with it. We just saw a COVID outbreak the first week of the Big Ten football season, and yet no COVID outbreaks in baseball for two months. I personally find that a little bit odd and a little bit hard to believe. But when I come back, uh, we are officially into free agent season. The Tigers made a few moves a couple days ago that I do want to discuss, and I will when we return. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. 
Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Uh, we are back now, so the Tigers made a few moves. This was actually on Tuesday. I didn't get a chance to cover it, didn't talk about it because the World Series was going on, but now that we're in the offseason and I need some things to cover, we're going to discuss it here. This, of course, coming once again from Evan Petzold of the Free Press. He said the Detroit Tigers announced Tuesday that four players were waived by the organization. Right-hander Dario Agrizol, outfielder Jorge Bonifacio, right-hander Derek Rodriguez, and left-hander Nick Ramirez. All four of them went unclaimed and cleared waivers, but Ramirez elected free agency. Not a huge surprise. I guess there's probably some people maybe who viewed Jorge Bonifacio as a bit of a surprise. I didn't. You know, he was there to, to fill a roster spot. I know he had some RBIs last season, you know, at points, but I, you know, he's not any good. You look at the OPS, not a good outfielder, not a great hitter. Like that's, that's a guy who's probably going to be once we have a minor league season, a lifetime minor leaguer going forward. I know he spent some time with the Royals uh, at the major league level, but I, I, I don't, his ceiling to me is like a, a fourth outfielder off the bench. Nick Ramirez is a little bit surprising. Nick Ramirez pitched a lot of innings for this ball club in 2019. Did not see as much action in 2020. You know, he's he was a long reliever for this baseball team. And considering how beat up the starting pitching was over the last several seasons, he filled a role. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose sleep over the Tigers waving Nick Ramirez right now. What I want going forward from the Detroit Tigers, and this is wishful thinking, I'm sure this won't happen, but please just just let a man dream here for a little bit. What I want is a cleansing this offseason. And for the next several off season, because it's gonna, you know, it's gonna take uh, some time here to get rid of some fat. You know, you, you don't you don't lose you don't lose that weight in, in a day or even a week. It takes time. You hit the treadmill. You go to the gym. You work out. You you trim some fat. That's what I want to see the Tigers doing. I want to see them trim a little bit of fat. I want to see a cleanse. I want to see them get rid of the bad major league players that have drained this organization over the last several years. And it's not the players who I'm necessarily mad at. It's the organization that I'm mad at. They There have been guys who have played baseball at the major league level over the last several seasons for the Tigers who would not have played baseball at the major league level for any other team. It's been part of that whole tanking formula that they've had over the last four years. That ended the second Nico Goodrum struck out looking to end the season this year. To me, every move they make now needs to be how do we make sure that the team can be competitive going forward? Will that be the case? Will Illich spend? Will Avila make the right moves? Dude, I, I don't think so. 
and, and I'll talk more uh, at some point this week or next week about how I'm feeling about this whole rebuild, you know, as a whole. Because right now I'm 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 very skeptical. I thought they were terrible this season, but I'm not. I don't I don't have a lot of faith in the front office right now. But one of the ways that you can you know instill faith in me is show that you're ready to turn a corner. Show that you're ready to turn the page on a new chapter of Tigers baseball. I hope truly that that we can look back on 2017 through 2020 as the dark age of Detroit Tigers baseball because I'm done with that era. I don't want tw- I don't want that to bleed over into 2021. Now that does not mean that I expect this team to be good or even competitive next season. I just think it's time that we see the steps be taken forward. The perfect example that I can use, you know, comparing it to other times in this organization's history, you know, 2003 was rock bottom for this baseball team. You know, they nearly lost more games than any team in the history of baseball. There's many people, myself included, who believe that they probably were the worst team in the history of baseball, not including those expansion Mets, and it's kind of unfair to include them because, you know, they were an expansion franchise. It was almost immediate when Dave Dombrowski said, all right, we're going to make some changes here. We're going to make some changes. We're going to make some moves to field the best team that we can possibly field. Now, 2004 and 2005 were rough seasons, but I think unanimously people agreed, given who they traded for, given who they signed, steps were being taken in the right direction for that team to be competitive again. No one expected the massive leap that they took in 2006, but guess what? They took that leap anyway. They made it all the way to the World Series. Is it unrealistic right now for me to expect that by 2023, this team can be in the World Series? To me, no. Because I think we've waited long enough. They've futzed around long enough. They should have the capabilities at this point to field a competitive baseball team over the next several years. But, you know, they're, they're going to have some time here. It's going to be a minute until they have officially washed themselves off of all the sins that they've committed against baseball. It's time the right steps be taken. And if that means getting rid of guys who have contributed nothing, then so be it. Make those moves. Get rid of who you need to get rid of. I want to see good players at Comerica Park in 2021. I'm tired of what we've seen. So that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, write a written five-star review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. I appreciate all you guys listening. I will be right back here tomorrow for the final podcast of the week. Who knows what we'll talk about? It's going to be a mystery box. We're in the off-season, baby. Woo! Yay! Eh, eh, We'll see. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers!